0: Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor, Joe Kerr, with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as
1: believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the Wall. Welcome to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Brose, along with Joe Kerr, and today we're talking with Eric Barger. He is widely recognized in the area of Christian apologetics and discernment ministry, and Eric's Take a Stand Ministries confronts both the culture and the church. We're excited to talk with him today about a special topic he's been working on in a new series of videos called Home Invasion, the Rise of Surveillance Society. So Eric, welcome to the program.
2: Dylan, I'm glad to be back with
1: you guys. How are you doing? We are doing excellent. And like you've mentioned, we've had you on here before. So many of our listeners are familiar with you. Uh, But Joe, as we started looking at what topic we wanted to talk with Eric on next, this idea of surveillance society uh, became prominent. We wanted to address it. Talk a little bit about it before we get to Eric today, about this invasion that we're seeing today in our own homes.
3: Well, Eric is on the cutting edge of that kind of technology and investigating it. And we had a conversation off air, actually, at Jan Markel's conference recently, that he was involved in putting this new project together. And I was intrigued from the beginning because the surveillance state, so to speak, is something that I've been studying as well. So we're excited to see where this is going and excited to have somebody who truly is an expert on the subject to be able to inform all of our listeners and watchmen sit up and listen. This one you do not want to miss.
1: Right, and we're going to dive right in. And really, we're going to start with your interest with this, Eric. I mean, how did you even get started in this topic of surveillance society?
2: It's probably something I, in fact, it is something I never had in in mind to do. But this has become something that's just a labor of love for me, and uh, I'm just glad to have been able to serve the Lord in this way. I really do think this is a service to the Lord to talk about the, the way that surveillance is becoming an issue to us, I think it's a prophetic issue, and i I remind people right at the very beginning of the documentary that uh, uh, they need to see the information I'm presenting in view of Bible prophecy, and I remind them of that again and again throughout the presentation.
1: Right. And for people who are unfamiliar, we're talking about these devices like the Amazon Echo or Amazon Alexa, something like Google Home, where you have this audio assistant that's built for you to be able to easily communicate, kind of like the Weibo robot on Flubber, for those who are familiar with the old Robin Williams movie. But it's in real life now, and there are lots of advantages with it, but there's also the surveillance side that we talk about. So talk a little bit about some of those leading technologies that are being used, what the good is with those, and some of the concerns that we should have.
2: Well, there is there is a lot of good to it in the fact that we can get information very quickly. It's at our fingertips. Of course, that's true with a computer or with our phones or tablets as well. But, uh, you know, people want to be able to speak these things and speak commands and ask questions like the weather, the traffic, or uh, numerous things that uh, that can be answered. And, of course, it's all being answered with artificial intelligence, and these are, are pre-programmed answers uh, or algorithms that lead to the answers that uh, these machines give us. Uh, I think it's um, it, it may be a little bit scary. It kind of twisted my head when I first heard a little girl talking to Alexa as if she was a real person, and now you're reading articles out there, such as a long article in Atlantic Magazine, which is not a magazine I recommend it by any means, but they're saying that this is the next counselor for people they have a guy laying on a couch talking to Alexa as if he was talking to a psychologist or psychiatrist so that can be scary especially when you consider who is programming the algorithm
3: That's a huge part of it because when people think of artificial intelligence this isn't just completely made up information somebody somewhere is putting those foundational, algorithms and responses in there so as you look at that and we talked about the positive what became as you did the research your main concern with these seemingly good technologies that are being used
2: well besides the fact that some of the answers that are going to be given to us are programmed from an extreme left-wing viewpoint uh, which is the viewpoint of those who are in charge of the computers that that really run these things besides that Uh, If anybody thinks that, for example, the Amazon Echo is not listening all the time, then you have to stop and think, wait, do I have to say Alexa and then it comes to life? Because it's listening to have been able to hear us say Alexa to it. So it's listening all the time. And uh, we know for a fact that uh, some of the conversations, if not the bulk of them, are recorded Private conversations that you wouldn't want others to, to hear. My concern about the technologies that are all around us, be they Alexa or our computers and phones or numerous other things, is our personal privacy is at risk, and it's going away, and it's only an illusion in many cases, and our personal and national security, because we're giving up facts and data that uh, those who would have ill intentions can put together to figure out who we are, where we are, all those kind of things, and of course our free speech then. We see what can happen to free speech just by looking across the world and seeing what's happening in the culture in China.
1: Right. Well, it's important for people to be aware, like you said, that these technologies are listening all the time. I remember some time ago when webcams started becoming popular and people realized that these could be hacked and misused where people could look in through a webcam and watch people when they weren't uh, aware of it. And now we're starting to see the same issue with audio detecting devices like Alexa and others. And so as we start talking about this, I, I think really one of the things that people have a concern about is how pervasive these things are. Can you talk a little bit about, how pervasive this technology has become and maybe some of the concerns we should have with that.
2: Hey, it's it's all around us. Now, let me just say I'm not anti-tech. Right. And I know that Joe isn't either. We've discussed that. And I assume we're all on the same page there. It's, we're yes. not against tech. We're using tech right now. And it can be used for the glory of God. It can be used to, as a vehicle to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's that's not an issue that, that tech itself, but it's how it's being used. And uh, if we don't think it's pervasive, then I would suggest that we do some simple, uh, I'll say, internet searches. Here we go, because that, that's technology right there. And find out how many different TV set brands are now saying, indeed, they are picking up our conversations if we're within earshot of the television. So it's all around us. And uh, sometimes we think conversation is only one way that... Uh, if I'm looking at a computer screen, that nothing else is looking back at me, and chances are that's true. But if you have a laptop, there is a camera, there is a possibility it could be hacked. We know reporters have reported openly, I think it was Cheryl Atkinson said that her camera was hacked, that people were able then to view her uh, and what she was doing at the keyboard or what was going on in the room where she was. So for them right now, for Google and for, for Amazon, two of the largest companies in the history of the world, it's all about being able to pinpoint things we're interested in so they can send us advertising. And almost every one of us have searched for something online and immediately in the sidebar of our browser online or on our cell phone, we're going to see advertising pops up that relates to the things we just searched for. Uh, Sometimes those advertisements pop up even when there has not been an actual search. I know a personal story of folks uh, back in Ohio standing around on a, on a street corner, and I tell this in the, in the documentary, uh, where they were talking about going to dinner, several of them just had their phones in their hands, and nobody had the phone up to their face saying, uh, uh, Alexa or Google, tell me where to go to dinner, uh, where is a good restaurant? But suddenly, because they decided to go to a Mexican restaurant, two or three of the people standing in that group got advertising on their phones. Telling them where the where a Mexican restaurant was in their vicinity, and it wasn't the it wasn't the closest Mexican restaurant, but it was of course a restaurant that has an advertising agreement with Google, and that location advertising. If they could find out where we are, and that's why location is on on our phones so often. We can't use many apps without it. Certainly, uh, driving directions or weather would not be very effective without the location being turned on. But you have to wonder. Why do we have to turn location on on the, on the games that we download on our phones or tablets? Uh, how can we have to turn our, or allow them to access our contact list if, if uh, we download a particular app? The apps we have on our phones are free, but really what's happening is we have become the target of the advertising. It is us that, uh, that, that they're looking for. They're trying to figure out where we are so they can advertise back to us and uh, our contacts as well. So we're giving up a lot of information on our phones, and there's so much more to this. We know that Facebook was recording every text and every call made from a phone where a Facebook app had been downloaded. And, uh, you know, all this stuff has begun to come to life, and people still, I I think, just want to turn a blind eye to it because they've gotten so used to the conveniences. And I'll admit that I've gotten used to many of the conveniences. Uh, using a calendar, for example, that is an online calendar that appears on every one of my devices, my tablets, my computers, wherever I log in, is very convenient. And we have to, each of us, make decisions and decide, how far will I go? Where do I draw the line? Uh, When you consider that Facebook and Amazon and, of course, Google and others, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, all of them, their main business model is to advertise and then sell products. And uh, Google has made a fortune in doing so. Last year, nearly $140 billion in income came into Google through advertising. Uh, I saw a figure recently that it was, I think, $55 billion in, in Facebook revenue was from advertising, and that was nearly all of their income. And we have to see that we're the ones that are providing that to them because they have made um, uh, available to us all these apps and so on that, uh, of course, we have to give up the permission for, and that starts when we get our phones. If we get an, an Apple phone or uh, a uh, an Android phone, either one, and by the way, Android, if you don't know, is, is owned by Google. But either one of them, we have to agree to allow them to see our pictures or anything that our camera has taken, movies, contact lists, texts, emails, all those things, they are capable and we have given them permission to see. And so uh, that's a lot of things that people, i tell you what, 18 to 20 months ago, a lot of people didn't have any idea this was going on. And it became intense, like I was not the beginning when I did the research and now more people are catching on. But still, I run into people all the time that, that have no concept that this is what's happening around us.
1: We've been talking with Eric Barger, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about this rise of surveillance, society, and how it connects with Bible prophecy. Stick with us. We'll be right back here on A View from the Wall.
0: From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. In John 18, we read that a large group of Roman soldiers were sent to arrest Jesus, When they asked for Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus replied, I am He. And as He spoke, a wave of energy caused the Roman soldiers to fall to the ground. They were lucky Jesus stopped when He said, I am. He could have said, I am, you were. And if He did, they would have been no more. Amazingly, the soldiers got up and pressed on to complete their evil deed. And from this we see that the enemy does not give up and does not grow weary. So Watchmen must remain vigilant, prayerful, and connected to strong believers. The battle's on. If you want help in the battle, visit IamAWatchman.com for resources and support. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a Watchman. watchman IamAWatchman.com
1: We're back on A View from the Wall, and we've been talking with Eric Barger about the rise of surveillance society. And one thing we want to discuss in this segment in particular is this idea that each of these groups that develop products have some kind of worldview. What is that worldview and what concerns should we have? So Eric, discuss a little bit about some of those concerns that we should have with those who are developing the technologies that we are using.
2: Well, it's certain that not every person who works at Facebook or Google, for example, and they are the, the biggest companies with Facebook owning Instagram and WhatsApp and Oculus and other companies that they have consumed along the way, they're not, they're not all uh, extreme left-wing, nor are they all conservatives by any means. There's a few conservatives sprinkled in there, but when you look at the executives and you hear what they're saying and the way the company is being run, and you uh, hear the whistleblowers from the inside talking about what is happening, especially the conservatives and the Christians who have been uh, completely limited uh, inside of Google and uh, bad mouths and been talked about in their intranet circle. So you have, a, you have an instant impression of what's going on. And then you've got the outward impression where an ex-Google representative uh, started a, a church church of AI, where they literally worship artificial intelligence. Now, that sounds really far out to most of us,
1: right.
2: but that goes along with the worldview inside. In fact, Eric Schmidt, when he became the CEO of Google, which has now been way back in 2001, I believe is what it was, uh, he was picked, and really for one reason, and very openly did, uh, did Larry Brin and Sergey uh, both both of those men said that they picked Eric Schmidt for a reason. That's because he was such a fan of the Burning Man Festival that happens every every August in northern Nevada, which is a hedonistic, kind of like a rock concert of today. And so th- these guys are fans of that kind of thing, and they made that very clear. And then you'll find the most left-wing thinkers in Silicon Valley are at the top of these companies. And That, to me, is is the scary thing, considering they are the barometer or the gate, if you will, of what is seen and heard or what is not seen and not heard. And uh, I think the stories about how some searches have been limited and some sites and some um, individuals have been shadow banned. In other words, they they may be able to post something, but nobody sees it. That should really be something that, that frightens us all, considering that we live in a culture that is based on free speech.
3: Eric, you openly concerned about a small elite group of tech executives. You talked about their worldview and their philosophy of life in general and how that influences and controls what we're talking about. The bottom line is we're the product here, not what they're trying to sell. They're selling our information to all of these other advertisers and people coming into us. So why are you so concerned about that elite group of tech executives that have that much influence and control?
2: Well, I kind of just said it, but I'll I'll put it a different way. These are the farthest left ideologues you're going to find. And uh, we should not be under the illusion that Google wouldn't or doesn't already manipulate search results if they're willing to put together a search engine for communist China that would literally limit uh, the things that people could search for. You couldn't search for human rights. You couldn't search for Nobel Prize. You couldn't search for a student protest or anything like that in the search engine. Some of their um, their engineers inside Google literally quit the company because uh, they saw this happening. They saw Google going ahead with this project, uh, which was uh, Project Dragonfly, and that was going to be their, their search engine built specifically for communist China. And it would also report back to the communist Chinese government the phone numbers of all the people who made particular searches through this search engine, talk about frightening. And if they would do that for Communist China, why wouldn't they do it here? Especially when we now know that um, people inside Google have made statements like, "We'll never let something like Donald Trump being elected happen again." They know that they can move the way people think. A lot of people, just not a few. They know they can move the way people think, especially when it comes again and again and again. And as I've researched this, one of the most uh, a shocking and troubling things to me has been this far-left ideology and anti-Christian bias and anti-conservative, of course, that we see going on inside of these tech companies.
1: Right. Well, you mentioned a little bit there that idea that China is already using facial recognition technology to identify people in public places and even identify a social credit score to people, if you would, uh, similar to what we do with the financial credit score to people here in the United States. And people are already talking about those concerns and how they could be applied to us in the United States. It really does have us thinking about some of the things you see in the Bible about what could happen in the end times where the people who identify as uh, being people. People who follow the Antichrist have a certain mark and a certain uh, viewpoint versus those who do not and are persecuted and excluded. I mean, what are some ways that we're already seeing this in our own country today?
2: Oh, it's already happening. In fact, Facebook has adopted a social credit score for each of its users to see if they're dependable or not. Whatever that word dependable means, we're not sure. Apple has done the same thing. And from that, then they've also, they're using uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and looking into the kind of the mind of the people who are users on Facebook, and Facebook is doing this right now, they have AI that kind of says what they think you might be interested in based on the things you might have searched for or that uh, the groups you might have been involved with or the posts you might have made. And uh, they're making their their assumptions about what they think you want. And again, this is so they can sell very targeted advertising. And, and again... That's what this is all about now. It's all about money and advertising and so on.
1: Right. But well, what will
2: that be about in the end times? That's the question we've got.
1: Right. Well, we'll talk more about that in our next segment, but it's that idea that even today this is happening in our own country, a land where we're supposed to have freedom of speech and freedom of religion, and yet some of these search engines are being applied in ways where it limits what information we see and it records the things that we are doing in ways that are beyond what we could have ever imagined a generation ago when we come back we'll talk more about this idea of surveillance society and specifically how it applies to bible prophecy and some applications for us today so stick with us here on a view from the wall
0: A view from the wall comes from I Am A Watchman Ministries, established to help individuals know the love of Jesus, enter into a relationship with Jesus, live for Jesus, tell others about Jesus, and prepare for the imminent return of Jesus. We want to inspire the body to live a life of meaning and purpose. And at the coming judgment, hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. The wise will strive to live well so that they can finish well, The prudent will work to be aware of what God has done and what prophecy notes he will do in the days to come. In support of these goals, the I Am A Watchman ministry is happy to make available at no cost a wealth of discipleship, prophecy, and spiritual growth resources for those who desire to learn and those who are called to lead. Find out more by visiting our website, Iamawatchman.com. That's Iamawatchman.com.
3: Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We're excited to be here with Eric Barger today talking about his new project, Home Invasion. And Eric, some of this is really invasive. What kind of information are these elitists and using the technology that they're using? What are they collecting about us? What What are they finding out that we may not want them to know?
2: Uh, it uh, is amazing when you begin to dig in and find out uh, exactly what, what Google is keeping on us, for example. And most of the cell phones in the world run on the Android software. And so they are privy to this information without us literally giving it up to them because we have given them access. We have given them the right to our information. Uh, They know our location. From the very first day that we turn on our Android phone, they know where we are. And I know they tell you you can turn off the location on your phone. But then a lot of the apps that people are so drawn to use won't work if you do that. And the dirty little secret is they know exactly where you are, I'm talking about Google, whether you turn the location on or off on your phone. And Fox News proved this by having one of its producers uh, go around Washington, D.C., walking and also in a vehicle 14 and a half miles with a phone that was on airplane mode and another phone that was just... uh, uh, in, you know, in the air, but neither one, neither phone had ever been activated. Neither one had a SIM card in it that would identify it as being owned by a particular person. And uh, when they got back to their, their center, the Fox Center, they they downloaded the information the phones had kept. And they kept every single stop they made down to the second where they were and whether they were walking or riding in a car. And that these are phones that had never been activated and even on airplane mode. They also know our search history, everything we search for. They know our phone history, everybody we've talked to, everybody who's called us or we've called them. Uh, They know our advertising profile, including our location, gender, age, hobbies, interests, relationships, our income structure. Uh, They know which apps we use, what extensions we use, and if we used an app like WhatsApp to talk to somebody in another country, what country we talk to them in, and even what time we go to bed at night. They're all... Supposing a lot of this, but that is the stuff they're looking for. Uh, they have our history on YouTube. Whether we're liberal, conservative, Muslim, Christian, atheist, uh, anorexic, even, or depressed or suicidal, these are things that that they are keeping track of. In fact, uh, one techie from Northern Ireland it, he decided to download this information. I'm going to show people in, in the documentary how they can get their Facebook information and also their their uh, Google information. But his information. It was 5.5 gigabytes of information on one man, on one person. Now imagine that. And, and they've got all kinds of other stuff. They know your bookmarks. That is the, the sites you have marked that you want to keep track of. They know your emails, and they can read your emails if they desired. They have your contact list. They, are, they have your Google file drives, which is a cloud uh, place to, to uh, uh, be able to, to park your files in the cloud. They have your YouTube video list, your photos, your videos. Uh, anything that you've done, any business you've done, such as things you might have bought, the music you listen to, your history of your location, uh, your your calendar—all these things. Th- this is just part of what Google is keeping of every person who has an Android phone.
1: I think people can see some of the concerns from what you're sharing already, Eric. But as we move specifically to Bible prophecy, what are some of the ways that these things connect with what we see happening in the end times?
2: Well, consider that all that information is, is being kept, and by the way, Google keeps a backup of every single thing that they have. So that information is out there. It is stored. Now, I don't plan to be here during the seven-year tribulation period, but I believe there are going to be some very rough times leading up to the rapture of the church and then the tribulation period. Uh, and, and I think we need to understand that this information, though it's today all about money making, later on, if we should have a shift in the way our government operates, uh, and of course things can happen geopolitically faster, I think, than most of us could imagine. Uh, we have gotten so used to using these products, we've gotten kind of lazy about the way we think about it. Well, that information could fall in and will eventually be in the hands of Antichrist. And the people who are amassing this information right now have no concept that they're literally building the database or databases that Antichrist will eventually use.
3: Eric, we like to bring every program to a close by making a specific application to the watchmen and women around the world who listen to our program. How do they use this information? How do they use this as they watch, warn, and witness?
2: Well, I think in a practical sense, we need to be expressing the truth to those around us. And I've always been big on the idea that we just can't tell somebody something's wrong. We need to express to them why we're saying the things we're saying, just not that there's something wrong about uh, Google or something wrong about technology. So let's let's be factual. Let's have our, our uh, ducks in a row as far as getting documentation. Let's be ready to sit down with people and explain to them. That's That's why I've taken the time to make this four-plus-hour documentary and, and provide the two booklets of information along with it is because I want to give people more than just the this is wrong and this is right. Give them the information so they can dialogue with others because those conversations will lead us to other conversations about eternity, and isn't that what our main job is anyway?
1: Amen. And again, we've been talking with Eric Barger about his new project, Home Invasion, The Rise of Surveillance Society. And this is something that you can find out more about right now by going to ericbarger.com. that's ericbarger.com b-a-r-g-e-r.com you can find out more about that and get the access to the dvds as they're available and we want to encourage you to stick with us again because next time when we return we are going to have eric back for part two of this fascinating series you won't want to miss it you will not believe some of these details about what is happening in our own homes here in america so join us again next time on a view from the wall